This is our third in our series on questions that Jesus asked. Guy runs up to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Um, it reminds me of that old joke where a, a Gentile went up to a rabbi and said, why do Jews always answer a question with a question? And the rabbi thought and thought and said, do we? <laughs> okay, it kind of rolls, I guess. Okay. Um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's, um, it's kind of an odd question when you think about it. What must I do to inherit? Uh, an inheritance is a gift. What must I do to receive a gift? Well, when somebody gives a gift, they do that freely uh, because they want to, not because I've provoked it or earned it in any way. I mean, you know, that I inherited the Keeney fortune. Um, I didn't do anything. It had to do with the generosity of my parents. So, in a sense, you don't do anything to inherit. I mean, you, you're born. That's how in your, you're just dependent on the graciousness and the gift of the other person. Now, having said that, I mean, the guy asked, what must I do to inherit? There's an assumption there that's kind of contractual. Uh, you know, I do and I get. I do and I receive. I do good and God rewards me. I do more good, and my chances are better of receiving eternal life. It's this transactional thinking of, I do for God, and God rewards me with eternal life. I figured that out, that that's what religion and Christianity certainly were about, that I do good, and God rewards me with heaven, uh, I figured that out certainly by the time I was a sophomore or junior in high school. And so I knew what was good. I'd gone to Sunday school. I'd gone to youth group. I'd sat in worship. And, and I knew what, what God expected of me. So I announced to my parents that I didn't need to go to church anymore. I didn't need to go to Sunday school. I didn't need to go to youth group. I could take Sundays off and um, watch the Browns on TV, which... They won in those days. Um, <laughs> that proposal to my parents didn't carry the weight that I thought it would, and I uh, had to go. To, they made me go to church until I uh, left for college, and then they couldn't control me anymore. That notion that um, I can be good without messing with church is comes up at other times. Sometimes I'll be at a party and somebody will come up to me and say, you know, Reverend, one can be good without being Christian. One can be good without going to church. Now, I've never really talked to them about why they say that, but I know when I told my parents that I could be good without going to church, what was behind that was 
I could, it was just a transactional relationship. I didn't have to mess with Jesus. I didn't have to mess with God. I didn't have to mess with all these other church people. I could just do good and God would reward me. It, it's like buying something on Amazon. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to have that salesperson as the intermediary. You can just click on and click on add to my card and then, you know, check out and, and do it. It's like, you know, putting your card in an ATM and, and getting, um, getting your money out. You don't have to deal with human beings. And so that's what I thought. I thought I wouldn't have to deal with God or Jesus or other church people who were always annoying. Um, so I could be good and receive eternal life. Then Jesus says to this man, why do you call me good? Now, Jesus could be saying that out of humility. He could be saying that because um, he actually wants to know why, what, is, what is he doing, what is he saying that this man sees as good. Sometimes somebody will come up to me and say, that was a good sermon, and I'll say, why? Uh, I'd like to know why so I could duplicate it. Um, you know, so, but here's how I've always understood this question of Jesus. Why do you call me good? Um, and I take it pretty personally. Why do you call me good is Jesus' way of saying, how I hear that is, if Jesus isn't good, what hope do I have of being good? And if I have no hope of being good, what hope do I have of eternal life? If, if the person who walked on water and raised the dead and healed the sick and fed the hungry and, you know, fed the 5,000 and the 6,000 and the 4,000, if he isn't good, I'm dead in the water. I am hopeless. Last spring, uh, Terry Gross interviewed uh, John Oliver on uh, Fresh Air. And they were having, you know, just a conversation. Her interviews really, I just love them because they're just these conversations. And toward the end of it, she just said to him, did you play an instrument when you were growing up? And he said, yeah, I, I took viola for many years. And she said, yeah, I, I took piano. And, and she, she said, did you like it? And he said, well, yes and no. Explain that. And he said, um, I found playing the viola to be very frustrating. I loved the music, but I could not create the music that was deserved by the viola. I couldn't play with the flair that musicians could. I couldn't play what I was hearing and liked. I hit a glass ceiling that was supported by concrete. And I realized that as much as I practiced, and I practiced a lot, and I practiced more and more, I became more and more frustrated because I wasn't ever 
going to reach the level that the music deserved. So in a sense, the better I got, the more frustrated I became. And she said, you know, that's exactly how I felt about the piano. I think of all the things in my life that I'm not good at. And the harder I try, in a sense, the worse it gets, and the more I realize I'll never get there. I would have loved to have run the four-minute mile. <laughs> Why do you laugh? And I realized as hard as I trained, as hard as I worked, and I did, in the rain, in the snow, in the ice, was never going to make it. Just like John Oliver didn't have the right hands, I didn't have the right legs. I think Jesus is saying to this man, if you think being good is going to get you to eternal life, it isn't. If you think being wealthy is going to get you to eternal life, it isn't. It's like another old joke about the Vermont farmer who was asked by the city slicker, how do you get to a certain destination? And the farmer said, well, you go down that road, no, that doesn't do it. No, you go down that road, no, that doesn't do it. And he said, no, you can't get there from here. And that's what Jesus, in a sense, is saying to this man. You can't get there from here if you think being good is how you get to eternal life. You can't get there from here. You know, being good might make us moral and more moral, but it probably will also frustrate us because we know we're not going to get there and we'll probably be pretty guilty. And if we think being wealthy is going to get us there, that's not going to work either because we, we know we're going to not feel wealthy enough and will be anxious. What Jesus is saying to this man is you need to change paths. If you want to get here, you need to change the path so you can get there. It's like saying you need to, you're not going to get to Cincinnati taking Route 70. You have to take 71. So change paths. Now this changing of paths, if you love the path you're on, can be difficult and frustrating. Jesus is saying to this person, you're going to need help. And you're going to need more than help. You're going to need me in your life and flowing through you to get to eternal life. It isn't going to work treating me as an ATM machine or Amazon. You're going to need me in your life to get you to eternal life. I mean, we sang about it. Finish then thy new creation. Have thine own way, Lord. You know, this is where Jesus talks about being born again, um, the new birth, 
where Paul talks about becoming Christ-like, where Paul talks about having Christ in us. It's that transformation where we become new people, different people. In a sense, we get that new pair of legs. We get those new hands that enable us to be who we want to become. The road to eternal life is eternal life. To get to the goal of eternal life, one needs to have Christ in one's life to get there. So the goal and the path are the same thing. And as Jesus says, eternal life is to know God and to know me. And we do that when we walk the path with Christ. So when Peter says, it's not possible, it's not possible, he's right. And when Jesus says, it's possible with God, he's right. We need help and we need Christ to get us there. Now, if you are um, old enough, and I am, you can take courses for free at Ohio State. Did you know that? I know undergraduates are always frustrated when I say that, you know. So I've taken courses at Ohio State. A friend that I met in courses, uh, emailed me a couple, oh, about six weeks ago, and he said, I'm going to take a history course. Why don't you take it with me? I hadn't taken for two years. He said, why don't you take it, and we'll take the course together. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I um, tried to register online. And um, it didn't work, and I, I called, you know, I called the, uh, the program, and they said, well, it's too early to register, but I needed help. I needed help. And then, and then, so I waited a couple weeks to register, and I went online again, and um, they told me that because I'd been out of the program for two years, that my name and, and number were no longer valid, you know, Keeney.5. It was no longer valid, so I had to go through the process to get a new name and number. <coughs> had to call tech support, God bless them, 24-7. So I got that, and I went through the course, and I got the course I needed, da 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 da, -da and I started to register, and I discovered that they've added something called Buckeye Pass, where I had to get a phone app called uh, Duo Mobile, back to tech support. God bless them. You know, I needed their help. I needed help. I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't pursue this path on my own. So I uh, got my Buckeye Pass, and I was all set up, ready to go, and I tried to register. Still couldn't do it. And I thought, I am spending hours on this thing. So I went to Leah, who is one of our desk workers, and I said, Leah, are you free tonight? She was working at the welcome desk. And I said, are you free? And she said, yes, I am. And I said, then come into my office, and you are going to help me register. <laughs> You're going to be a senior. You should know how to do this. So not only did I need help, I needed her 
sitting next to me, with me, to register. And we, we went through it. She took me through how to register. And she showed me shortcuts and said, oh, you don't need to do this. And you can, you can do this this way, and it'll save you time. And I'm registered. <laughs> I start my first class on Wednesday. I reached the conclusion that anybody who can register for a class at Ohio State, <laughs> who can get their Buckeye link, who can get their Buckeye pass, who can get their Duo Mobile uh, phone app, deserves a diploma immediately. <laughs> Skip the classes. If you can register, you're in. But I couldn't do it without asking for help and without actually having somebody in my office sitting next to me in a chair actually working through me to get it done. That's what Christ is saying, you know. We need Christ with us to get to eternal life because he is eternal life. So we need him with us. Now when the, when the man comes to Jesus, Mark says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He's not telling this man that he needs to take another path because he hates him, because he's jerking him around, because he wants to manipulate him. He wants the best for him. He loves him. And when Jesus tells him that he needs to be on another path and needs to have Jesus in his life, he leaves sorrowful, as Mark says. Well, I'd be sorrowful too, and I am sorrowful. Um, to ask for help is a blow to my pride in a sense, to ask Leah to come in and walk me through it was kind of a blow to my pride because I like to think I'm really smart, you know? But I had to give up that possession of thinking, I, that pride of thinking I'm really smart in order to get where I'm going. It's sorrowful. And I think that man was sorrowful because he realized what he'd have to sacrifice, what he'd have to die to, to get to where he really wanted to go, and was it worth it? It's sorrowful, but it's also very hopeful, because it says, I'm not going to get there on my own, but I'm going to get there with help. And I'm going to get there with Christ's help and Christ in my life is I'm going to be transformed into a new creation. Can you be Christian? Can you be good without being Christian? Of course you can. We all know people who are good without being Christian. Of course you can. But I think what Jesus is saying is we sell ourselves short if our goal is goodness. There's nothing wrong with goodness. I'm all for goodness. But I think Jesus is saying we sell ourselves short. We're setting our sights too low. C.S. Lewis uses the example of trying to train a, a horse to jump higher and higher. And he said, well, 
it'd be so much easier if you just transformed the horse and gave it wings. That, and then not only would it jump higher and higher, it would soar and it would be able to do so much more, it would see the whole countryside. And he said that's what Christ wants to do with us. He wants to transform us where we not only do good, you know, but we soar and we um, come to know not only goodness, but joy and beauty and music and fun, and laughter, and community. To set our sights too low is like um, settling for the times tables when we could know calculus and differential equations. It's like setting our sights and saying, painting by numbers is good enough when we could be creating masterpieces. Jesus is saying, being good is not enough because I want to make you into a masterpiece. Jesus has great hope for our lives that we become masterpieces. And that was his hope for the man. And that was the love he wanted to give him. May it be so. Amen.